This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Listen to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and XWH employee. This week we talk about a much-needed win over Bournemouth despite an underwhelming performance, VAR actually going in our favour, an opportunity missed at Anfield, Silkborg on Thursday and Man United on Sunday before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. X, we got a much-needed win against Bournemouth last night. Give us your thoughts on the performance. It wasn't the best performance, let's be honest. I mean, it was a <laughs> bit um, a bit boring at times. I think we didn't take advantage of Skabaka's brilliant hold-up play. I thought he was really good at holding the ball and bringing others into play. But once he'd done that, they um, didn't really take their chances. I think there was a lot of um, missed opportunities. However, you, you can't complain of a 2-0 win at the end of the day. The situation where we're playing so many games in such a short space of time. Um, and obviously, we've done what we needed to do in Europe. We're basically going to win the group bar an absolute disaster. So we've achieved that. Sitting 10th in the table, probably slightly below expectations. But when you look at the points, tally in the league is very achievable to get out to where we would hope to be in that top half. And I think at the end of the day, a win's a win. It gets us our, was it our third win in a row at home in the league, something like that. So it's, um, it's, it's, good, it's good to keep that going. And we were comfortable. I never felt we were going to lose that game or, or not win it. So you can't complain too much, as I say, not a classic performance but a job well done yeah uh, exactly that and it is about getting the job done isn't it I mean how many times recently have we said that we deserve so much more than what we actually got from the game um, I mean some some examples would be Nottingham Forest we should have won that game but we lost Southampton we should have won that game but we drew Liverpool we should have at least got a point but we lost Chelsea and, and, Ch- and Chelsea, of course, of, of course, with Chelsea as well. Um, but the point I'm making is, 
You know, you can talk about how encouraging these performances are, but if you don't get anything from the game, then it counts for nothing. So I would rather have a bang average performance and at times bore myself to sleep, really. it was At times I thought it was painfully boring last night, but get the three points than watch us wow the crowd and get nothing. Because at the end of the day, in terms of what you achieve and how you look back on the season, it all comes down to how many games you've won. Um, and, you know, to go into that game fall from bottom and actually after 90 minutes end up 10th in the league just goes to show that I think everyone's beating everyone in this league at the moment. You know, I don't think there's any easy games to call. It's right. a bit all over the place, isn't it? And uh, And actually, you know, when you think about what a slow start to the season it's been to to be mid table and top of your group in Europe i think actually is okay i'm comfortable enough with that um and i think you know against bournemouth gary o'neill was coming i think he's done an okay job um i don't think it was going to be easy because i don't think there's any easy games in the premier league but we've we've got the job done and it was as simple as that really but i've got to ask you about your take on uh the the handballs in inverted commas when it comes to var because um you know we've had our our, our complaints about it in terms of decisions going against us post-match gary o'neill was certainly had his complaints alluding to the fact that bournemouth never get any decisions go their way what did you make of it in terms of the fact that our first goal um wasn't disallowed, and the second one was a penalty that, in his opinion, shouldn't have been given. I mean, if if you're a Bournemouth fan, you are going to be livid with that. If I if I was a Bournemouth fan and I travelled midweek, you know, it's not that far, but it's still a good two and a half, three hour drive or whatever. But I've travelled up to West Ham and I've seen my team lose by two goals, both from VAR decisions with the handball. Um, I'm going to be annoyed, definitely. I would have certainly the first goal. The, like, I know the, the, the problem is, is that at the moment, nobody really understands the rules. Like, no, I don't, X. I don't. Uh, and this is what is getting the, the making the game so stupid that you kind of have to have a VAR controversy to then learn what the rule is rather than know what the rule is <laughs> yeah. before the VAR controversy. And that's just a ridiculous way around it. And I, and I do wonder, I mean, you'd like to think not because it's their profession, but I do wonder if all the players know what the rules are entirely because they just, you know, like I think Jimmy has said it on our podcast before that people just don't really know what mm. the rules are anymore mm. because they've, they've changed it so much. The same with off side we've had ball against Southampton we learned that you can throw the ball over the line as long as part of your foot's touching it you know I'd never heard of that before and I no. think and admittedly I don't you know I'm not a sort of person that would go searching around for new rules and studying them and stuff but the fact that you know I consider myself a big football fan I mean and so do you and probably so does everyone that listens to this show and I'd say the majority of us are learning rules as they happen that there's something not right there they've got to publicise them more or make it more aware what the rules are. I don't know, but the fact I don't know them is not is not is not great. I would have said personally that that was a handball, the penalty. Uh, sorry, the first goal, the first goal, um, because it hit his hands. Yes, his hands were down by his side, so you could argue it wasn't intentional. But he directed the ball with his hands. Yeah, you know, the ball went in a different direction because it hit his hands. Mm. And you know, when you when you look at the, the definition of handball in black and white, it is the ball hits the hand, and, 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 and an advantage is gained. Well, the ball moved to a different direction. You can't say hundred percent whether it made a difference or not. So, ever Bournemouth cleared it. 
but in my eyes, the, the touch on the hand was significant enough to change the direction of the ball, and therefore it's a penalty. I know that probably doesn't fit in with the rules because the rules are it has to be the period of play just before the goal or something. So, again, what, what does that actually mean? Does that mean I can actually smack the ball with my hand? But as long as it doesn't lead to a, to a, to a you know, it's not the, the, like the assist for the goal, I can get away with it. You know, I just don't, I just don't. I don't understand why they're making these things so complicated. It should be, it should be literally. If it's a, unless it's blasted at you from a, from yeah. a yard away, it should be handball. Is a handball like when you played football in the playground as a kid? You know, there was no, oh yeah, but did you mean to do it or did you? Did it affect the play? You know, <laughs> and literally, if yeah. the guy touched it with his hand and he, and, he, and he had no way of avoiding it. It was a handball, and it should be as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you know what this? And this is the point, and it? it it's so overcomplicated these days. And that's a really good example you've given there, because when we was all younger, it was so simple. It was so black and white. And I, I talked to my little girl now, um, and she's asking questions about the game, and I'm struggling to answer some of them. Um, mm. And and I never would have done years and years ago. And you're so right when you say that we're almost learning about the game again on the back of VAR decisions. You know, the throwing at Southampton is 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 the perfect example of that. And I don't know if they're changing these rules weekly or whether they're changing them without announcing it, but it, it does seem very strange. However, um, we are actually the beneficiaries of this for once, thank God. Um, and uh, I think, yeah, to, to a degree, I feel sorry for Bournemouth, not too much, but, you know, I can understand why they would be a bit pissed off about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, for me, uh, the first one, I think... Yes, his hands are down by his side, but like we've said, I think if the ball has actually hit those hands and then taken the direction of a teammate, which has then led to a goal, I think you would feel right to be a bit aggrieved if you're a Bournemouth fan. The second one, I don't, I don't know really. When you look at it, I just go back to it in black and white. He's got to cross it in. Bournemouth players uh, slid him for the tackle and the only way he's stopped the ball from travelling to a potential teammate is with his hand. So in yeah. my opinion, that's it's got to be a penalty. Yeah, I so, agree. Um, I think the second one was a penalty. So that that's the yeah. thing. I think the, I think the second one, the penalty, is a penalty because the cross went in. As you say, he slid. His hands were up. If it weren't for his hands being up, the ball would have gone into the area, but it didn't. Mm. It went out for a, a corner because of his hand. Um, so for me, that is a penalty. But it's the first one. I don't think is a goal. But you know, that's my interpretation of what the rules are. My interpretation of the rules probably isn't what the rules actually are and, yeah. and, and this is what's just so stupid about it like you know you say you've said in the past although we're trying to win you round um, that you don't like NFL because of the complication mm. of the rules and stuff if football is getting towards that now mm. to the point where you watch it and you are relying on the pundit or or the VAR to tell you what the decision is that never used to happen when you watch football you used to be able to sit there and say oh it's a handball ref oh, that's offside ref and know what you were talking about but now it's just an element of doubt all the time. And the thing is, it's like any job. If you overcomplicate things, it makes the job harder. You know, if you add in all these extra things mm. that you've got to do, it doesn't matter what the job is, it, it makes things harder. And that's the same for a ref. If you've got to literally, one, you know, refs get a lot of stick and a lot of the time, rightly so, but you've got to think you're literally a human being running around. So you've got fatigue factors coming into it anyway, because you're running for 90 minutes. You're having to call everything instantly. I know you've got VAR to back you up now but the initial decision you've got to call like as you see it 
you've got to run through your head from a handball that happens like that. You're going to think, right, did he mean to knock that? Didn't that mean to happen? Were his hands in the right place? <laughs> did he cross the advantage? Was it the thing that set up the pre the, the goal, the, the assist that led to the goal? You've got to run through about five to ten different scenarios in your head and make mm. a decision like that. It's literally impossible almost <laughs> to do that. And this is what's yeah. so stupid. Why can't a handball be a handball? Why can't an offside be offside? Why does it have to have all these stupid stipulations all the time? It's ridiculous, mate, isn't it? It really is. And again, we, we go back to the beauty of the game as I knew it in the 90s, for example, or you know, for those that are older in the 80s, the 70s, 60s, and, and so on. The simplicity of it, you know, it was a working class sport and the rules were the rules. Everyone got it. Everyone understood it. And uh, I just think with money and technology and politics, it's just changed so much. And um I was saying, I don't want to complain too much because all of those things actually went in our favour last night yeah. uh, for a change. But it, it it is, it's just, it blows my mind, some of the discussions we're having about football now. And I find myself learning about the game I thought I was pretty much an expert in when I was a kid. But now yeah. it just feels like I'm learning more and more every week, which is I mean, uh, it's crazy. The funny thing is as well, on that, that is that, you know, you know, they always say what comes around goes around. And like one of the arguments always for being pre-VAR was that not having VAR was that, um, that oh, you get a bad decision this week, but then the next week you get one in your favour. It's quite ironic. Do you remember that game when we played Bournemouth around Christmas time about... I know three or four years ago when uh, Wilson, the striker that plays for Newcastle, scored a blatant goal with his hand or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like it's balanced it out eventually yeah. after all these years. So Bournemouth can't feel too hard done by because this is just equal now. But that mm. said, it, neither of which should have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. I was pleased to see Benny get a start last night. It doesn't start enough for me. Um, and he actually got voted man of the match by our patrons, followed by Zuma and then Deck. Do you agree with that? I think so, yeah. I think so. I think Ben Rama made the difference yesterday. He was direct. He was running at them. Mm. He was creating chances a couple of times. As per, I thought he shot when he shouldn't have and didn't, didn't perhaps deliver the right ball into the box. But he's the one player that we've got that can get on the ball and run at mm. defenders. He has a go, doesn't he? He yeah. does. He has a go. And the opposition fear him. You can see them standing off him all the time. And he makes things happen. And yes, he's not the finished product. Yes, he is very frustrating. Once more, David Moyes couldn't completely praise him in the press. He did praise him and say it was a good game, but said too often he doesn't do what he did today. He just seems unable to to give Ben Rama any form of positivity. It's so weird, isn't it? What, it is. what, what's going on? Is Benny shagging his missus or something? I don't know. I what, I what is the problem here? I, I honestly couldn't tell you, mate, but like literally it was ridiculous because he started off praising him and I thought, oh, at last, he's praising him. And then he finished <laughs> it off with, you know, last year he did this, he was inconsistent. <clears throat> and he said he finished it, but I do love him really. But it's like one of those classic things. So you someone, like, you know, I do like you, mate. You're really, really funny. Yeah. You're a good bloke. <laughs> but actually, you know, sometimes you are a bit of a prick and not many people <laughs> like you, but I do, yeah. uh, but I do love yeah. you really. You know, it's like yeah. hidden, hidden messages all over the place. Um, and so I, I don't, he must just get so frustrated. I think he does. I think I've been told, like, you know, he does get frustrated with it. But at the end of the day, 
he isn't the finished product. I, I do see Moyes' point of view because he is frustrating at times. That said, what needs to happen is that he needs to play a consistent run of games now. Like, let mm. him start and let him feel that he is the main man. Let's see what happens. Rather than having him as the player that's always subbed off or the player that's, you know, often on the bench for four hours and Corday and other players, let's just, let's just give him a run in the team now and say to him, look, you've performed well this season. And I still think he is a contender for having of the year this season people will laugh at me but if you look at it in terms of impact in games I think he is a contender and if you and if you give him a regular run of games you say listen like he was at Brentford you're the main man we need you to get on the ball make things happen you like we believe in you let's just see what happens see what happens you know up to you know the the World Cup break and just give him a chance and then hopefully hopefully we'll start to get the the, the potential you know brilliant player that is definitely in there somewhere. Yeah, I mean, the only question mark behind him, and it's what you, you're saying there, is, is consistency. But then at the same time, I think you need to give a player a run of games, a solid run of games, to be able to get consistent. Yeah. Uh, it's as simple as that. You know, he, he needs that. He needs game time um, to reach his full potential because he can be one hell of a player. He really can. He's got all the attributes to be a top Premier League player. Um, but he just needs... That game time. And listen, I, I like Fornells. I really do. I don't see him as a left winger. Um, I, I don't like him there, to be honest with you. I prefer, if he's going to play, I prefer him being central. Um, but with with Benny, he's, he's just so much more direct. I think he's more entertaining to watch. Like we say, he has a go. He's skillful. He can beat two or three players. Um, and I think he's got to start in that position. I really do think so. Um, have we got ourselves a new penalty taker? Um, well, he's got to take the next one. If he's on the pitch, the problem is, is he going to be on the pitch or not with Moyes? That's the <laughs> thing. Like... But is it harsh, though? Is it is it harsh taking him off, Jared, because he's missed one penalty? I mean, I was having this conversation with Mad Dog yesterday, and, and he actually said that he thinks Creswell should be on penalties. And, and I see total logic in that, by the way. I think he's got a wand of a left foot. He's great at set pieces. It makes total sense for Cres to to be on penalties but Mad Dog made the point maybe Chris doesn't want them maybe he yeah. said no they're not for me Gaffer you know I'll take everything else but I don't want penalties but is it is it a bad message to everyone else and does it put unnecessary pressure on potential penalty takers to say right Jared, you've missed one penalty that's you done yeah, it's a strange tactic, isn't it? Because, you know, you wouldn't have taken them off Julian Dix or Mark yeah, Noble if they wouldn't. missed one. Yeah. No, so it's a strange tactic. But, I mean, at the end of the day, what that suggests to me is that none of them actually 100% are confident of being the penalty taker. Like, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think Bowen spoke about it yesterday. I thought, I think I read, and he said that, you know, he didn't he didn't feel like he could take them again. I didn't see it almost like it was his decision not to take them. It's like a hot um, potato, so, isn't it, with everyone? Yeah, yeah exactly. And I think I I personally think, you know, although he wasn't on the pitch at the time, so we don't know whether he would take it or not. I think Scamica should take it because I always believe, really, the person taking the penalty, unless you know you have the exceptions like I've said before, Ray Stewart, Julian Dix, Mark Noble, you know those classic penalty takers that aren't gonna aren't gonna like let you down. I think you should always try to have your striker as penalty taker because goals yeah. breed confidence. You know, mm. obviously this has the opposite effect if you miss, but goals breed confidence. And when you're going for the top scorer in the league, which obviously doesn't really happen with West Ham players, but you know, look at Harry Kane, how many of his goals have been penalty 
years over the years. You know, mm. like it's the same with like Shearer and, and, and other forwards, you know, that you associate with being great goal scorers. They were great goal scorers. You know, Robbie Fowler, they're all great goal scorers, but they got, a, you know, a, a decent percentage of their goals as penalties. And when you look at the statistics of forwards and stuff, you don't tend to look at them and think, right, in, you know, the year 1990, whoever it was, scored, like Teddy Sheringham, scored 27 goals, but, you know, 14 of them were penalties. You just see that there's 27 goals. You know, and I think for it, it should be the forward to breed confidence. And, you know, once they've got a penalty under their belt, you know, say they get an early penalty, they've already got that goal, so they can play with confidence that I've already scored this game. Let's try and get another type thing. Takes the pressure off. So for me, it would be Skamaka taking them if he's on the pitch, and if he's not, then Antonio. And I know Antonio has taken penalties before, He's also missed, but it'd be between those two for me. Yeah, yeah, I make you right. And um, I can't remember who said this, but I, I do agree with it in a sense that you should never miss a penalty, really. You know, you're, yeah. you're, 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 you're not under pressure in a, in a time sense. You know, you've, you've got you've got time to compose yourself. You're, you're 12 yards away. You've got time to think about where you're putting it. And from a striker's perspective, you know, your job is to score goals. By definition, you should be better in front of goal than any of your teammates in different positions. So logic would point to all strikers taking the penalties. But... You know, it, it quite often isn't the case, which is strange. But uh, yeah, I'd like to see uh, Skamaka possibly be given the opportunity. And um, I can't imagine him not being up for that either. So no. I suppose we'll have to watch this space. What did you think of um, Flynn Downs giving yeah. another opportunity last night? What, what, what's your take on him? Yeah, another good performance. He's definitely going to become a fan's favourite if he's not already. Mm. I mean, he's he's got that attitude where he he gets stuck in and he chases balls down and he works hard and stuff. You know, he's not. I think mean, it was a bit odd that he was playing as the number ten at times. I don't think he's, in my opinion, that type of midfielder. But he's definitely industrious and works hard and gets strong on the ball and you know a really good player. And I I personally I don't want to dig the man out again, but I personally would like to see him alongside um, Deck in, in the in that midfield role there and yeah. then and then even drop Suchek or have him further forward but I'd r- much rather have Downs deeper um, and I, to be honest with you I would drop Suchek I would put Suchek on the bench and I would have you know either Fonau's Ben Rama um, or someone like that in uh, well, WhatsApp's obviously working. <laughs> so that's what that noise was. They're all coming <laughs> through now. Um, oh, there you go, yeah. With the headline, WhatsApp goes down for users across the UK. And now about five have just come through. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. So um, I, I, I personally think Downs has done enough to earn his spot now as a, as a regular alongside Declan. And I think the two of them, you know, that adds such good protection to the defence. And I think since uh, Flynn's been playing, Declan, Declan's level performance never really drops below, you know, a, a worst of seven. But I think since Downs has been in the team, you know, the last sort of three or four games, I mean, Declan's really stepped up his performance as well. So because he's mm. got a midfielder alongside him that he knows he's going to win the ball and work hard and get into the right places and stuff. So for me, I'd like to see those two there now. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. 
Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah. And likewise as well, you know, what, who better to play alongside than Declan Rice if you're Flynn Downs? You know, what a what a fantastic mentor in, in Deck he's got there. So um, I, I think it's really nice because I think, you know, especially on the back of losing Mark Noble, to get a West Ham boy back in the changing room and someone who, who does have that bit between his teeth and, and he is hungry and uh, very similar personality to Deck as well. You know, a bit of a cheeky chappy and, and likes a laugh and a joke, but um, can get stuck in when he needs to get stuck in and uh, and do a job. I'm really excited by the signing. I'm really excited. I think he's, uh, he's someone that um, I think everyone will enjoy watching. It's as simple as that. And we've said it before. When you get given your opportunities, you have to take them at this level. And that's what Flynn's doing. So I'm over the moon to see that. I mean, we have to touch on uh, the Liverpool game last week because we haven't actually spoken about it. How did you feel about it? I mean, was it a kind of performance to be proud of or was it an opportunity missed, in your opinion? Uh, I would say it's a performance to be proud of because I think we created one chance, which was the penalty or one decent chance. Uh, So when when you create one chance, you can't really be proud of it. Um, But I I think... uh, we, if we'd taken that penalty just before half time, you know, I nearly missed it. I, I went down to the toilet just before the rush because I'd been drinking. So I really wasn't very well. I said to you before, I felt really rough at that game. So I was like dosed up on a, a really spicy curry and tequila rose. Um, so I was, uh, <laughs> and, a few, <laughs> and a few pints thrown in as well. And I, and I was really so, trying to get myself through that game. So I went to the no toilet. No peach snaps. No peach now, I can't, mate. I've told you the story. <laughs> that, that, that would have finished me off. <laughs> so I, I went down to the toilet and literally as I was in the toilet, I heard a, a cheer. I thought, oh, I missed a goal. I ran up and it was when the VAR was deciding. So thankfully I got back into my seat to see it. And um, yeah, it was a really soft penalty. If, if he'd scored that goal, that penalty, I actually think we might have gone on and won the game. Um, mm. But... You know, because you, you look at Liverpool, that Liverpool's just so random. They beat Man City one, yeah. then they struggle, beat Rangers 7 1 before that, then they struggle against us and grind out 1 0. Then they go and lose to Notts Forest 1 0. You know, it's um, Nottingham Forest, sorry. It's, um, it's uh, you know, a strange team that Liverpool side at the moment. But yeah, I think I think it was a wasted opportunity. Liverpool are inconsistent, as Nottingham Forest have proven. They're beatable. And I think if we'd scored that penalty, we would have got more from it. And uh, yeah, I, I, I left there feeling quite deflated. Not only did I also feel horrendous, and something else I didn't tell you, our old buddies, Uber, let me down massively. So I was trying oh, no. and trying to get a cab <laughs> after the game for like ages. And in the end, we were like, this is just not happening. 
actually flagged down a taxi who decided he didn't want to take us for some reason. God, God knows why. So, this is what happened to us at Chelsea. I don't yeah. understand it. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think it's because I've had too many people throw up on my Uber account. And they've thrown up. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so that's a walk four and a half miles through Liverpool. And, uh, well, You're and, joking. No, honestly, four, four and a half, half miles. Four and a half miles through Liverpool. We've um, absolutely raging cold. So, uh, yeah, my experience of Anfield was not great. It wasn't. I'm hoping for a better one in Manchester this weekend. <laughs> oh, that's a nightmare. Yeah, that is an good. absolute nightmare. Well, before we get to Manchester, <clears throat> oh, God, that's tickled me that. Um, before we get to Manchester, we've got the small matter of um, um, officially securing our progression as uh, group winners in the Conference League against Silkborg. Um, what would you do with the team? What do you think Moises should be doing with the team? I think he should alternate it completely. Now, I think, you know, all we need to do is get a point against them, even if we were looking to win three points. I think the subs bench players are good enough to beat Silkborg. I mean, they're, they're, you know, I like Silkborg. Out of that group, Silkborg and the team, I 100% want to go through. And I've had a great time in Denmark um, the two times we've been. So I really hope Silkborg get through. But Not really, handle it, mate. No, I fucking hate them. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely fucking despise them. <laughs> they're, they're like right up there with Millwall and Spurs. Now, seriously. <laughs> I, saw, I saw the other day that Standard Liège, which is another obviously big Belgian team, yeah. uh, they had a big uh, hooligan, hooligan uh, battle with Adelaide. And I was, I was well on the Standard Liège side. I was uh, almost sensitive to sign up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so I want Silkborg to go through, but I think you know, in theory, and no disrespect, obviously we've got some Danish listeners, you know, Bobby, who we spent the last two games with, and his yeah, mate, his name I've annoyingly forgotten, but uh, who's who's his mate that came both times? Oh God. Um... <laughs> this looks great on us, doesn't it? Both look awful, but uh, yeah, I can picture him. Like, I can tell you facts about him. Yeah, but yeah, yeah uh, top bloke. Tell you facts. Names are relevant, anyway. Tell you facts. This is the desperation of our embarrassment now. No, exactly. honestly, we're not bad people. Like, I can tell you facts about him. <laughs> yeah. well, he, he doesn't know my real name, so we're equal. Um, so, um, anyway. So they're yeah, really good blokes, but let's let's be honest. The Danish league is no way near the standard of of the Premier League, and, and any no, one and any one of our players that are on our bench really should be able to get into Silkborg's team. So I would change it completely. I'd have Ariola in goal, obviously. I would have um, Shafal right back. I would have uh, Dawson or Bonner if they're both fit. Obviously, Bonner's been on the bench. Dawson, if he is fit, I'd put him in for some fitness. Um, left back Emerson. Then I'd have uh, Coventry, uh, Lanzini as the two central midfielders. Then Cornet, if he's fit enough, Fornells. And then um, someone on the right, missing someone, but someone on the right. Uh, can't think of someone off the top of my head. Maybe, <laughs> you one, can tell the facts about them, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe Ben Rama, I don't know, to get him build up that confidence still in another game, or have him on the left and have uh, Cornell on the right, whatever. And then uh, Antonio up front. So I would completely, completely alternate it, I think. Yeah, I mean, you would like to think, without sounding arrogant, you would like to think that we can pretty much put out any kind of side from this squad and, and you would expect to win, wouldn't you? Especially at home. 
Well, the thing um, is, we only need to draw as well. Well, this is exactly. So there's, exactly, no, yeah. there's no yeah. pressure on them. I mean, you've got you've got to give like the likes of Coventry a game because yeah. otherwise, yeah. what's the what's the point of him hanging around? I mean, at the moment, mm. he's not going to get into the Premier League starting eleven in order for him to prove what a good player I believe he is. He needs to play these games, and I actually hope you know the last game he played, um, he played uh, was it Viborg where he started and people criticised him. I can tell you now, he was playing along Suchek when Suchek was massively off form, and he was given instructions literally get the ball and give it off so people were like telling him like you know the, the fans were saying why is he not pushing forward why is he not playing these through balls Con- Connor is one of the people like not like a teacher's pet that's not the right way to describe it but he's one of those players that respects the manager that's why the Irish managers love him that's why any manager where he's got a loads loved him because he's one of those players that listens to the manager and listens to the instructions and takes on the the um the the what he's been told so you know people were criticizing him saying he wasn't going forward enough he wasn't direct enough etc that was because he was told not to be and he just followed the instructions of what he was given I hope regardless and he won't do it because he's not that type of player I don't think but I hope regardless of whatever instruction he's given he just goes out there and sees this as his chance to really show people what he can do because he is a good player there's no two ways about it look what Flynn Downs has done you know Flynn Downs came in everyone was a bit unsure on him was he good enough etc etc and he's absolutely taken his place and Connor needs to be given the chance he's not going to get a chance in the Premier League it's too risky at this point but it's these games now the two European games the game against Blackburn where you've got to give him a chance to at least show what he can do and you need to give Lanzini a game because Lanzini's falling down the pecking order so you need to give him a game as a safe Corday's fit enough you need to get him to play and get some match fitness in and um, yeah I think it's just a real chance to give those fringe players some games as well and don't forget with the world cup coming up you know some of these players that haven't got a tournament like lanzini unless he miraculously gets into the argentinian squad like connor like um you know some of these other players that are on the fringes they're not going to play for you know two three months so they can need these games now to maintain some level of fitness yeah yeah, no, I agree with all of that, mate. And then we go to um, Manchester on Sunday. I mean, you talk about teams that are having a funny old season. I, I, I wasn't expecting them to be as good as they have been recently. I expected them to have the sort of season that Liverpool were having, if I'm honest. But to be fair, their new gaffer's come in and he's done better than I thought he would do. So I now do see that as a as quite a tough game, really. Mad Dog thinks we'll get something from there, as he always fucking does. But yeah. how, how do you see it? Because I think that's a tough game, that. I think it is a tough game. I think the whole Ronaldo shenanigans of recent weeks is a good thing for us because mm. he seems to be doing his best to unsettle the team. Annoyingly, they've just got a good uh, a last minute um, goal to equalise against Chelsea. Obviously, giving you your last minute equalise. <laughs> yeah, that was thing. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as per, um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, but but annoyingly, that that's going to give them a bit of a boost. If they'd lost that game, that would have been better for us. But um, but nonetheless, I still think we can go there, and we need to go there with attacking intentions, with positive thoughts, and go from the start. Still, still, we are slow out of the blocks. Yeah, um, that's my idea. Yeah, we we can't afford to do that. Old Trafford, you know, Old Trafford's such a you know big ground, and you know, it doesn't matter what Manchester United plays there. You know, they're always going to be a threat at home with that crowd and that stadium and stuff. And obviously, the stature of the club. They never in recent. Certainly in our generation, they never fall below 
you know, a certain level. I mean, the, the falling below a certain level has happened. Like it's in the last couple of years. That's the worst they've ever been. Um, so I think he's doing better than that, and I think they will be tough. If we could get a draw out of that game, I'd be happy. Yeah, but- <clears throat> same as you. Yeah, I'd take a draw all day long. Um, and let's hope we can get even more because football's a funny old game. But let's find out a little bit more about our opponents. Man United are the most successful club in England and have won 20 league titles, which is more than any other team. They've also won 11 FA Cups and 3 European Cups. After the appointment of Sir Matt Busby, Man United won back-to-back titles in 56 and 57. The squad, whose average age was only 22, gained the nickname the Busby Babes. Speaking of managers, Sir Alex Ferguson's reign lasted a massive 27 years in total, and when it came to an end, he recommended David Moyes as his successor. The club actually formed as Newton Heath FC in 1878, because all of the team worked at the Lancashire and Yorkshire Railway Depot at Newton Heath. But bizarrely, no records were ever kept of who managed Man United in the years between 1878 and 1892. The Theatre of Dreams has been Man United's home since 1910, but during the 40s, Old Trafford was badly bombed by the Germans. So much so that from 41 to 49, Man United had to play in Man City Stadium. Their all-time leading goalscorer is Wayne Rooney with 253, and famous fans include Conor McGregor, Mick Hucknall, Usain Bolt, Steve Coogan, Justin Timberlake, Eamon Holmes, and Brad Pitt. So, X, um, something that's really exciting for us is uh, is the launch of our new book. So, um, last week we went to a book signing uh, to sign a shitload of pre-order books. Uh, thanks to everyone that has pre-ordered these, there were there were hundreds of them, and it, it was a good three and a half four hour session to actually get through them. And some of the dedication requests were really funny, and uh, it was just really good. And and something that struck me um, when we saw the books was just visually how beautiful they are. I mean, they're stunning. The artwork and the color and the the, the kind of attention to detail in each of the pages, and obviously. We read the book by default because we had to read each chapter and then kind of give our contributions. Um, but it's it's really, really exciting to to see the book and have it and know that people have now received it. And then it will soon be going on uh, general release. So, X, just want to get your take on it. How are you feeling about it? Um, are you as proud as I am and as Sid is? And where can people actually get this when it is launched to the general public? Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud, mate. I mean, you know, but sometimes I have to pinch myself with what we're actually doing with our lives as such right now. Like, you know, if you'd said to me at the age I am, I'd be sort of spending my days talking about West Ham where people other than my dad and my friends would listen to me. Um, yeah. And I'd be like, you know, doing events with ex-players. I'd be doing, writing books about my memories of times. You know, I just would have said, yeah, whatever. You know, you know, so the fact that we actually are is amazing. And now for me, obviously, like you, I hadn't seen the book until it was there in front of me I'd seen the, the chapters in print and stuff and I'd seen some of the graphics and that but I hadn't really seen the you know or even envisaged what the final product would look like so when I finally saw the book for the first time I was like wow it was it was much more it was much more substantial than I thought it would be I don't know yeah. why I just yeah. imagine it'd be quite thin but it's yeah like, I know what you like mean a, a proper size book um, it's got great pictures great like sort of nostalgic pictures in there as well of like programs and fanzines and sort of random stuff to do with West Ham in the mm. 90s and uh, yeah no, so, uh, you know obviously we're going to say it's a great read because it's our book and we're promoting it but I, I know factually that if 
if X was someone else, it wasn't me, and I was reading that book. I think the book would I would be re- I'd really enjoy the book because I read since previous book. I've read all of his books to be fair, but I read his previous one most recently, the nineties one that he did with Chris Skull, and that was brilliant. And obviously, I had zero involvement with that, so I really really enjoyed that book. So I really hope people will enjoy ours. And you know, the the thing that is. Um, is good about it is that if anyone lived through those 90s which obviously a lot of our listeners did you'll be able to relate to so many of those incidences there'll be some you remember clearly and some you think oh my god yeah i can't believe that happened but if you, even if you were too young which again some of our listeners will be to have experienced it it's good good for your west ham education to know that these things happened and also for you to be able to be able to like like uh, rationalize that things aren't that bad like right now because when you compare them <laughs> yeah, to some of the, yeah. the things that happened in the, ni- in the 90s that are, true, then, true. They're, then they're not comparable so yeah it's good for good for your well-being almost with the current west ham but yeah i think it's going to go on sale um on our website the, the west ham way website that website just to give another promo here i don't know if people have looked recently because obviously a lot of our stuff like this is on Patreon and, and most of our exclusive stuff and podcasts will be on Patreon. But if you're looking for a second thing to look at, the West Ham Way website is a really good um, source. Now it's been redone. It's got lots of features on there and um, it, it will be, there'll be a section, a tab on that website there where you can buy you can buy the book and you know Dave and I and Sid aren't having it right off of this book you know it's not like we're suddenly going to be driving our Ferraris and stuff the thing that we get from it is the pleasure in knowing that a as we've always tried to do patron it's it's quality that we're giving and be it will people will just enjoy it for the memories and stuff you know that's why we've done it we haven't done it for financial reasons we've done it just to sort of share those experiences with with with, with fans and stuff and I think I honestly think fans will really like it if they give it a chance absolutely mate 100 percent. it really is a really 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 good book so uh thanks to everyone that's ordered it on the pre-orders and uh we hope you enjoy it when it comes to general release let's talk about the event that's coming up um before the leicester game that's something i'm really excited about we've got kevin Kane now and um i think that's that's gonna be it's gonna be is it at what point do the fixtures stop for the World Cup? It's not that one, is it? It's not the yeah, last is. home game. Oh, it, it is. is the last one, is it, before the, the World Cup? Yeah, right. right. How do you, you feel about that? Are you looking forward to it? Uh, what, the, the event or the, the World Cup? The event. Or, um, the event I'm looking forward to, yeah, definitely. Kevin Keane, you know, we interviewed him not too long ago, and he's a, a great bloke, a really nice guy, very honest. And the thing that people, I think, are not appreciating about Kevin Keane at the moment in terms of the quality of guests is that he he played for us for, well, he came through the academy firstly under John Lyle with the likes of, you know, Potts, Cotty, Points, all of that sort of player. Um, so he's played with some absolute legends of the club or players that had a significant role in our history. He played for what, five, six, seven years, something like that, left us sort of early to mid 90s, um, having, you know, played um, a significant uh, part in promotion campaigns, then went back to us as a coach. Um, under he was with Adam Pardew, then became caretaker manager, stayed for about two or three managers. He's been caretaker manager three times at the club, as well as coach, and now he's the under 18s manager. So his knowledge of West Ham spans over about four decades, you know, mm, crazy, eight, isn't it? 80s, 90s. Zeros, tens. Actually, if you count the twenties as well, it's actually five decades. Oh wait, hold on. My maths is always really good. Aces, nineties, zeros, tens.
tens, twenties. Yeah, that's definitely five five decades. <laughs> uh, so you can't get you can't get more knowledgeable than that, really, can you? So, uh, so I think um, I think it's been a great event. As I say, it's the last, as you say, it's the last one before the World Cup. It's Saturday, which doesn't happen very often. It's a three yes. o'clock kickoff. So yes. Mark Mark Ward will obviously be there. Mark mm. Ward's a former teammate of Kevin Keane, so they'll have they'll have good banter as he always does with the guests. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be a great event. It'll be nice to sort of see everyone before we have a you know what is it a month and a half apart from each other so yeah definitely looking forward to that 100 percent. yeah um great player as well in his day kev Keane. Yeah, great yeah, player. Liked him. And, yeah, liked him. Um, yeah looking forward to that looking forward to it and i've been looking forward to saying this as well um in the predictions league and i'm gonna go a bit easy on x because i mean let's just be honest after 11 weeks i'm still on top so uh um you know that that chelsea may United result did help me out a little bit but i am still on top i'm gonna go easy on him because we are, have now come together luckily for him in unison to represent <laughs> our country because organically there's been this competition thrown at us from the USA. So and our, staged our, by them as well. Yeah, exa- exactly. So our, exactly that. So our, our cousins from across <laughs> the pond um, have basically presented us with a bit of a challenge. They got a bit leery, a bit above their yeah. stations and fancied themselves a little bit when I think at one point they were on top. Well, actually, we've looked at it and as it stands after 11 games, we're smashing them. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking at it now and I think it's, I think we're on 1,889 um, versus their 1,646 points. So um, we're, we're, we're looking very comfortable X at the moment. And I'm, I'll be keen to see what the boys have got to say about it because I, I don't think there's much noise coming from them now, as it's done. No, probably, they're probably not even mentioning it, if anything, is certain to go by of this game. <laughs> so, uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably no discussion whatsoever. But, uh, you know, it's quite funny. I think it was sort of a, a, a classic uh, American um, like, <laughs> extravagant. Extra- <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps overconfidence, and the uh, the Brits strolled in and put them back in their place. So uh, yeah, exactly, just, exactly that. He's repeating itself um, <laughs> with their the predictions. <laughs> and long may it continue. Yeah. This show is brought to you by Green King, your home of pub sport. With over 900 sports pubs around the country, Green King is where the fans go, showing every broadcasted game for West Ham. Head down to your nearest pub and you can enjoy every live sporting event from BT and Sky Sports on tap. If you download the Green King season ticket app, you can receive a free drink when you register and 10% off a great range of drinks before, during and after any match. So head to the app store and search season ticket to download the app when registering if you use the promotional code West Ham Way which is all one word in capital letters you'll get an additional £5 off when you spend £15 on drinks Green King it's where the fans go your home of pub sport okay it's that time again imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.